Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? Thank you so much for being here. We have found out these last few weeks that we're a prophetic people, amen? And we found out that prophetic simply means we have a future. It's not necessarily anything spooky or weird. It means we have a future. The Bible is a prophetic book. Uh, one of my life verses, which is on the wall, is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And it says that God has a plan for me and that God has a plan for you. God is in my today, but he is also in my future. And so we're a prophetic people. I want to start a new series this morning talking about miracles. Just like we're a prophetic people, we're a miracle people. And we've been fathered by a God who is a miracle, supernatural working God. <clears throat> a year and nine months ago, I went to the doctor and found out that my aortic valve in my heart was not working correctly and that the blood wasn't moving like it was supposed to, that it was like a washing machine. That's how the doctor described it. He said that blood was just sloshing back and forth and it wasn't being uh, sent where it needed to be. Then I found out that because of that, I have an, an, a, my aorta was also enlarged, uh, and, that, and that's commonly called an aneurysm. And so uh, I scheduled surgery. That Friday, my surgery was scheduled for Tuesday. That Friday afternoon, I got a phone call from my niece that my brother had been tragically killed in an airplane accident. Tuesday, I had heart surgery. After my heart surgery, I had a myriad, if that's the right word, of doctors come through my room. I was at Covenant in Lubbock, and I had doctor after doctor come through my room, and here's what they wanted to know. How did you know you had this condition? One of the doctors told me, we usually find this in your autopsy. How did you know that you had it? Well, I didn't know that I had it, and through a set of circumstances, God moved in my life. God protected me. God took care of me. Now, inside of my chest, and I don't know exactly all the details, but there's some kind of protection on my aorta so it doesn't continue to enlarge, and then I have an artificial heart valve, and it's not the pig valve because I'd be oinking too much. Uh, Steve Pond has one too. And he said he couldn't get a pig valve because it was a, uh, how did he put that? I'm trying to think, come on, I got to get my head working. That it was a conflict of interest because he eats too much bacon. So, so, so he was worried. All right. Well, mine, mine is not that mine is mechanical and, uh, it, it doesn't have any electricity or power on it. The blood, the heart itself causes it to open and to close. Now, why am I telling you that? Because in my life, that was and is a miracle. Okay, it was and it is a miracle. Now, I believe that there are miracles all around your life every day. In that situation in my life, God used physicians, God used men and women who were trained to, I believe, do the miraculous. I mean, I don't know that I can even still today get around my head that I've got this artificial valve in my heart and, and I've lived a year and nine months with that and it, it's a miracle. Okay, why did you mention your brother? Okay, here's 
why I mentioned him. Because I just did a funeral yesterday, and I stood out in the cold at the cemetery with a hole dug where they were going to put their loved one in the ground. And here's what I told them. I said, you can have hope because Jesus said there will be a resurrection morning. Jesus said mortality will be made immortality. And I gave them hope because it's a miracle. Okay, listen, it's a miracle. I'm going to see my brother again, and that gives me hope. Because, now, see, people, have you maybe you've thought this before, I don't know. Why did Jesus have to raise from the dead physically? He rose from the dead physically because you and I are going to be raised from the dead physically. When Jesus comes on resurrection morning, if I'm passed away, if I'm not here, if you're not here, my mortal flesh is going to put on immortality. My heart surgery was a miracle. Our resurrection will be a miracle. Listen, God is still in the miracle business. And so I want to stir your heart in that fact. Listen to this. The miracle of salvation, number one, is amazing. The miracle of provision. The miracle of healing. The Bible begins with a miracle. In Genesis, the very first sentence says, In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, it was a miracle. So all through the Old Testament... All through the New Testament, if you will put on your miracle glasses, what do you mean by that, Pastor? When you read the Bible, if you'll read it looking for miracles, you will see them page after page, story after story. I mean, I could spend all the rest of the morning talking about Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew children, Moses in the Red Sea. We could go over into the New Testament. The Bible is a book of prophecy, but it's also a book of miracles because the author is a father of miracles and you belong to him. He belongs to us. And I want to stir your heart this morning that whatever it is you need in your life, God has miracles available to us. Amen. All right. I want to read to you in the scripture out of Romans 10, 17, Romans 10, 17. Here's what it says. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, when you read the Bible, When you hear the Bible, when you listen to it on tape, when you listen to it in church, when you listen to it in your car, you know what the Word of God does? It stirs faith in your heart. You don't wish for faith. You don't pray for faith. You get faith by hearing God's Word. Anytime you read the Word of God, it stirs your heart. Now, here's what I want you to recognize this morning. When you read those stories in the Bible about miracles, what I want it to do is stir your heart for your miracle, whatever it is you need God to do. Now, I'm going to quote this verse in a little bit, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Jesus said he's the same. He was the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he'll be the same forever. What God did for someone else, he wants and will do for you. Let me read you another verse. I want to go to Revelation 12, 11. The last book in the Bible says, and they have defeated him, talking about that devil, they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word or by their testimony. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Let me explain to you what that's talking about. That's talking about the tribulation period. And here's what it says. It says that those Christians in that time period overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Listen, if you know Jesus as your Savior, the blood has been applied to you, and you are an overcomer. Amen? 
I'm an overcomer, not because of anything I do, but because of what Jesus has done. Then the second thing it says is, you overcome by the word of his testimony. Now, don't miss these two simple truths. Before we go on one minute further, I want to put these two simple truths in your heart. Truth number one, when you read God's word, the promises in the book are for you. They're not just for the preacher. They're not just for the deacon. They're not just for that person that you think's good and behaves, right? They just hide it better than you. The promises in God's word are for you. And they're supposed to stir your heart with faith and with hope and with expectation. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. When I was a kid growing up, I had a very good father, a very strong father. And if you went to him and you wanted something, hey, Dad, can I go to the store? He'd say, I don't see why not. Buddy, to the store we went. Or he would say, I don't believe so. You didn't go to the store. You didn't ask. You didn't plead. You didn't beg. You didn't whine. We, I just didn't grow up in that kind of house. I don't see why not. I don't believe so. Hey, Dad, can we stop and get a Coke? I don't believe so. Oh, oh, come on, Dad. I'm going to cry. Amen? Yeah, that's just how I grew up. Y'all clapping because I got a whipping. Come on, come on, come on. When you hear God's word... The answer is yes. Hey, Lord, can I have that? I don't see why not. Hey, Lord, I read a promise. Can I have that? I don't see why not. The promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. When God does something for you, tell someone else. When someone else wants to tell you something God has done in their life, take time to listen. Because if you're wise, if you do, because it says by our testimony, by our stories, we overcome. Listen, God has done miracles in my life. I believe many of you in this room have had miracles done in your life. I believe sometimes there are miracles all around us, but we don't always recognize them and we don't always see them. Listen, sometimes you miss the supernatural looking for the stupendous. Now, listen, that's powerful. You miss the supernatural. See, now here's the question. Well, pastor, how come God just didn't heal your heart? How come he just didn't heal you and you didn't have to have surgery? Well, I don't know. But I know this. Uh, God gave those men and women knowledge and training, and they worked hard to get it. And uh, he gave somebody else the knowledge to invent that valve. Uh, And when I sat in that man's office, he held that little pig valve, and he held that little valve out. And he said, today we're running a special. No, he didn't say that, actually. (laughs) I don't know how much that thing costs, and I didn't dare ask. Amen? How much do you want to put down, okay, <clears throat> right? I would have put down everything I had, amen? But, but that valve was a miracle, all right? That valve was a miracle, and so that, what happened to me is a miracle. You miss the supernatural because you're waiting for the stupendous. In the time that I have left, I want to show you some scripture, and I want to stir your heart toward miracles. Listen, we're, we're from a lot of backgrounds, all right? 
I mean, we're ex-Methodists, we're ex-Catholics, we're ex-Baptists, we're all ex-sinners, amen? Some of you are ex-bar hoppers, uh, some of you, yeah, right? And by some of you, I mean last night, right? I mean, <clears throat> you know, yeah. We don't, we're not going to raise any hands. Amen. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so we all come from different backgrounds and we've all believed different things. But what I'd like to do is I would like to expand your category this morning that the God you love, and I believe, I know you love him or you wouldn't be here. The God you love, one of the things he wants to do in your life is miracles. And I want that to be a category in your life. Let me read to you out of Jeremiah. 3227, Old Testament. It says, I am the Lord. God is speaking. Pastor Rusty's not speaking. God is speaking. I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of this world. Is anything too hard for me? God says, hey, I'm the Lord. I'm God. Nobody's bigger than me. Is there anything too hard for me? Listen to it again. Is there anything too hard for me? Listen, there's not any situation you're facing that's too big for God, be it physical, be it mental and emotional. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your money. Maybe it's in your job. I don't know, but I know many of you in this room have mountains. I know many of you in this room have fears. I know many of you in this room have apprehensions. God is asking you this morning, is there anything too hard for me? Hey, how do I make that work in my life, Pastor? You take it to him. Hey, Lord, here's my teenage son. Hey, Lord, here's my husband. Hey, hey, Lord, here's my boss. Hey, Lord, here's my job. God says, is there anything too hard for me? Let me go to Luke 18, 27. Now, let me give you some background before I read you the verse. This verse talks about the impossible. And Jesus is telling the story about how hard it is for a rich person to enter into heaven. And, and here's what he says. And many of you have heard this example. He says it's easier to put a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter heaven. Then the disciples ask him this question. They say, okay, Lord, who can be saved? Now listen to me. If you know Jesus as your Savior this morning... You are a walking, living, breathing miracle. Because listen to what Jesus said about it. He said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Do you know that if you had to get right with God on your own or by your own merits, it is one word, impossible. It would have been impossible for me to get right with God. It would be impossible for you to get right with God. Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. I could not bridge the gap between my sinfulness and my brokenness and a perfect holy God. But Jesus did it for me. And he laid down his life on that cross. And I simply walked across to the other side into the kingdom of heaven. It's impossible any other way. But Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. He's talking about salvation. There's another place in the Bible where he uses this, and it's when Mary uh, supernaturally conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And the angel told her, she said, hey, you know, I'm a virgin. I'm not married. And what does this all mean? And the angel said, hey, I know in the natural this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Listen, 
Salvation is a miracle. I know there's biology involved. I know that. And we don't need a biology lesson this morning. But a baby's a miracle. Right? A baby's a miracle. A child is a miracle. Uh, That new granddaughter in my house, she's a miracle. Jesus said, he said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Listen, whatever miracle you need today, you may have somebody starting college and you're overwhelmed with what's it going to cost, how are we going to do it, God will do a miracle. Maybe you've been to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, I went through that whole thing with my heart. Man, God, I need you to move. And he did move. Let me read you another verse. Let me read to you John chapter 20, verse 30. Now listen to this. Don't miss this. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in the book. Stop right there. Look at me. The Bible says that all of the miracles of Jesus are not written down. It says that if they were all written down, the world wouldn't hold all the books. It says that. All right, do you know what the Bible is? The Bible is the history of the kingdom of God. It is not world history. It is not. It is the history of the kingdom. The scripture I just read said Jesus did many things that were not written down. Have you ever had some of those questions that are not answerable? Okay, Adam and Eve were created. They had two sons. They got kicked out of the garden. One killed the other one. And when they went out into the garden, uh, who did did they marry? Right? Okay, Uh, Cain killed Abel. Who did Cain marry? I have an answer for that question. All right, do you know what the answer is? The Bible is not the history of the world. It's the history of the kingdom. There are things that God hasn't told us. There are things that God hasn't revealed to us. Do you know why? Because we're children and we don't need to know. Right? I asked my dad one time when I was a kid, how much money do you make? You know what he told me? It's none of your business. I had a bad dad, didn't I? Amen. Now, well, here's what we know. That's adult information, right? I didn't need to know. I couldn't, I, I didn't have any way to even understand that. Does that make sense? He probably thought I wanted to buy something, right? And when I asked my wife that question, do we have any money? She always knows what follows, right? Honey, do we have any money? And the answer is always no, we don't have any money. And no, you can't buy that, amen? <clears throat> All right, so it's not the history of the world. It's the history of the kingdom. Listen to why, what was written in the Bible. Have you ever wondered that? Hey, why did God put in the Bible what he put in it? Here's the answer. But these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Why was the Bible written? So you would believe. Why does the Bible need to be read? So that you would believe. So that you would have eternal life and spend it with God forever. That's why God put in the book what he put in it. So you would believe. So you would have faith. So when you read those miracles, I've got great news. You can have one too. They're not just for people of old. Well, hey, that's passed away. Who said it's passed away? What unbelieving nincompoot have you been listening to? Amen? I'm going to believe the Bible. I'm going to believe Jesus. I'm going to believe God's Word. I'm not picking on anybody. 
But listen, God is a miracle working God. Let me go to Ephesians 3. I love this verse. You're going to love it too. It says, now to him, that's talking about God. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. And amen. Go back to the first sentence. To him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly above all we ask or think. Listen, we serve a big God. You and I serve a big God. And God loves the word exceeding abundantly. Years ago, we decided to use a little bigger cup in communion and to give you an opportunity to get a little bigger piece of bread. Now, why do we do that? Because we believe in a big God. I was in a church not very long ago, and they did communion. And you know how they do those little tiny white pieces of bread? Well, now, there were so many people there, they had to cut those little pieces in half. So there was nothing to it. Then the cup had just a few drops in the bottom. Now, pastor, are you saying that's not effective? No, I am not saying that. I am not saying that. All we want to do when we do a little more cup and a little more bread is we would like to stir your heart that your God is a little bigger than you think he is. Listen, you know what's wrong with most men? They serve a small God. Listen, the bigger your God is, the better your life will be. The bigger your God is, the better your life will be. It says that he wants to do in your life exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. When I go to the heart doctor now, you know what he says? Man, I wish everybody was doing as good as you are. I wish, you're, I wish everybody was in as good a shape as you are. Now, I'm trying to do the right things. Don't miss I'm try, I take my medicine when I'm supposed to. I exercise. I go walk in the morning. I go to the wine exercise. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to eat right. Now, I still love ice cream. I'm still eating ice cream. Uh, I'm going to eat ice cream in heaven. Amen? I talked to somebody just the other day, and they said there hope there's coffee in heaven. And I said, well, if the Baptists are in charge, there will be. Amen? Amen? All right, so I believe there'll be coffee and there'll be ice cream. I'm trying to do what I know to do. But listen, it's the grace and the goodness and the miracle working power of God that takes care of me and that will take care of you. I want to go to another verse, Hebrews 13, 8. I already quoted it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he'll do today. You're not the exception. God's not going to leave you out. Well, I can't give you a miracle because you don't measure up or you haven't done what you should do or it's not the right time or the right season. Listen, you serve a miracle-working God, and I want you to have a category in your faith for miracles that God will do whatever it is you need him to do. Now, I just have a few minutes, and I want to go to a simple story about one of the miracles of Jesus. Now, you may say, okay, pastor, that's great. I want a miracle. What do I need to do? What if you went home and Googled the miracles of Jesus? It'll pull up every one of them. And what if you took time this week to read through some of those stories? Because you know what'll happen? It'll stir your faith. I'm going to read you one of those stories right now, and it's going to stir your faith. Listen to it as I read to you out of Matthew 9, starting in verse 1. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. That's a man who couldn't walk. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Stop right there. Jesus said he could see their faith. Let me tell you what I think that means. He had friends who brought him to Jesus. And because they brought him to Jesus, why, why'd they bring him? Well, they knew Jesus could do something. They knew he would do something. So Jesus saw their desire and he saw their actions. Listen, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I can see your faith. What do you mean, pastor? Well, you got up, you got ready, you came to this place because you believe that God's here and he'll do something in your life, amen? So the scripture says he saw their faith. Well, can I encourage you? He sees your faith. Don't listen to the lie that you don't have any faith. You got up, maybe a friend brought you. Okay, friends brought the paralytic. Maybe you're here as a visitor. Maybe somebody brought you with them. Jesus sees your faith. Let me finish the story. He said, son, be of good cheer. I love that. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or arise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go home. And he arose and departed to his house. When the multitude saw it, they took a nap. He didn't say that, does it? They adjusted their pillow and went back to sleep. No, it said they marveled and they glorified God. Amen. They marveled and glorified God who'd given such power to men. Now listen, let me explain to you what's happening here. They weren't sure Jesus was the Son of God. The religious leaders had doubts. And they were trying to figure out who he was. You and I have three choices when it comes to Jesus. And they're very simple. Number one, he's a liar. He's not the Son of God. He never was. He's just pretending that he is. He's a con man. So he's a liar. The second choice we have is he's a lunatic. He's crazy. Right? You ever seen on the internet those pictures of people and they say they're Jesus? They're just crazy. Right? They're lunatics. We know they're not Jesus. Jesus' website would be way better than theirs. Amen? Or the third thing, he's Lord. Now, I know in my heart, and I know in your heart, you've decided that he's Lord. They have not decided. And when he said that this young man's sins were forgiven, they called him a blasphemer because they thought he was a man, and that as a man, he was forgiving somebody else their sins, and they knew only God could do that. Then here's what he said. Which is easier, to forgive sin or to heal? Which is easier? Well, now, when you forgive sin, you don't see it. Right? I mean, when I received Jesus as my Savior, I mean, I'm a kid, and nothing changed on the outside of me. It changed on the inside of me. When you said yes to Jesus, you changed. Nobody saw that. So I know what they're thinking. Well, maybe it's to heal. So he says, to prove to you that I can forgive sin on the earth, get up and go home. And he was instantly healed. Now, here's what I want you to take with you. Jesus wants to forgive you And he also wants to heal you. 
and they both belong to God, and they both belong to you. Your God is a miracle-working God. When I was forgiven, it was a miracle. When my heart was taken care of, it was a miracle. When my aortic aneurysm was taken care of, it was a miracle. On resurrection morning, when I hug my brother's neck and the tears flow from joy and happiness, it will be a miracle. There are miracles available to you. Can I encourage you to believe? Don't be a doubter. Be a believer. Jesus wants to forgive and Jesus wants to heal whatever it is you need. Maybe you don't need healing. Maybe you need something else. God is in the miracle business. We've heard people say, well, man, only a miracle will take care of that, right? I mean, even when we watch sports, sportscasters will say it, won't they? Oh, it's going to take a miracle now, right? And we know what they mean is something impossible, something outlandish, something that's crazy. Listen, your father loves you, and he's a miracle-working God, and he wants to do miracles in your life. These next few Sundays, we're going to look in the Old Testament. We're going to look in the New Testament. And when we get finished, your faith for miracles isn't going to be down here. It's going to be up here. And you're going to see God move in your life like never before. Amen? All right, y'all stand up. Let me pray for you. Father God, I love you. I'm thankful that, number one, you're my father, our father, and that you're a miracle worker. You're a God of the supernatural. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for forgiveness. Thank you for healing. Thank you for wholeness in our lives. Father God, I, I love these people and I love this church and I pray your grace over us as we go, your life on our families, your life on our children and our grandchildren, our jobs and our businesses, and that your grace is on us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, I love you. Y'all going to be blessed and have a great rest of your weekend.